the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I have the honor, and I don't often say that, to have as my guest right now, Ilya Shapiro. He just resigned from Georgetown Law School, Georgetown University Law School. He was hired to head the law school center for the Constitution, and he resigned uh, this week in an act of great uh, courage. He was uh, being hounded because of a tweet that he had sent out. We'll review the tweet in a moment. I told him off the air that uh, he is heroic, and I don't expect him or even want him to react. But I want every one of you to know that that is how I regard this man. Courage is the rarest of all the good traits in the human species. And when I meet such a human being, it is it is encouraging, to say the least. So, uh, Professor Shapiro, let me begin with having people understand the context of your resignation It began with your being uh, attacked for a tweet you had sent out. And do you have the entire tweet in front of you or memorized? I do. I do. Here's what I I wrote. Um, Late at night, while doom scrolling, bad practice, don't do that uh, in a hotel room. If I had been at home rather than on a business trip, this wouldn't have happened. I'd be in, in bed with my wife, but... Um, this was the day that news of Justice Breyer's retirement broke, uh, and I was doing media all day, putting out statements and, and whatnot, uh, because I was at Cato uh, almost 15 years and, and uh, head of their con law shop, commenting on the Supreme Court, about which I've written a book. Uh, you can see it behind my head, Supreme Disorder, Judicial Nominations, and the Politics of America's Highest Court, coming out in paperback July 5th, uh, updated. For the last two years. Uh, and so uh, I was getting more and more upset about uh, uh, President Biden's decision to limit uh, his pool of potential candidates, nominees for the Supreme Court by race and gender. So I tweeted, uh, objectively best pick for Biden is Sarisra Navasan, who is solid Prague and V smart. You have to shorten things on Twitter. There's a character limit, which contributed to the, the what I admitted was, was poor phrasing uh, overall. Um, so I said, solid progressive, very smart, even has identity politics benefit of being first Asian, parens Indian American. He's an Indian immigrant, as it happens, uh, the chief judge of the D.C. Circuit. Uh, but alas, doesn't fit into the latest in- intersectionality hierarchy. So we'll get lesser black woman. And it's those three words that uh, got me into trouble. They were maliciously misinterpreted as saying that uh, suggesting that no black woman could ever be qualified for the Supreme Court or that all black women were lesser uh, as as humans, I guess, than than all other people. 
Uh, and as I've written before, as I've explained, that's uh, you have to be acting in extreme bad faith, uh, wanting to get me fired and, and otherwise to interpret that uh, in uh, something other than just the standard critique that 76 percent of Americans agree that Biden should have considered all possible candidates, not just restricting them by by race and sex. But but anyway, I tweeted that I went to bed. January 26th, I woke up and a firestorm had erupted online very soon, moving uh, offline to Georgetown. Uh, those those were a few days of hell. Uh, and then the dean announced that uh, I would be onboarded. This was a few days before I was due to start at Georgetown. I would be onboarded and immediately put on paid administrative leave pending investigation uh, into whether that tweet. There were another couple of tweets, but the focus was just on that one and those three words, lesser black woman. Um, whether that violated the university's uh, anti-harassment and discrimination policy. So I went from four days of hell to what turned out to be four days of purgatory. Um, and, you know, just a bizarre process, which culminated last Thursday with a decision to reinstate me because it turns out it took them four months to figure out that I was not an employee when I tweeted. And so these policies weren't applicable to me. Um, that was the resolution. And I, 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 took to the pages of the Wall Street Journal to celebrate that technical victory. Um, but then I realized in the ensuing few days, as I delved into the report by the diversity officials, the the Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, Affirmative Action Office, that they were setting me up for a fall uh, and that this was a, a slow motion firing. This was no protection of speech whatsoever. Uh, clearly, I would not be able to fulfill the duties of the job for which I was hired uh, after reviewing the documents I got from the diversity administrators, it became clear that uh, it would be untenable for me to remain because uh, what they had set up uh, was a situation where uh, any, if, if in future anything I said uh, someone found offensive or un made them uncomfortable, that would constitute a, uh, a hostile educational environment and I would be subject to discipline. And so in my resignation letter and Wall Street Journal op-ed, uh, I, I uh, speculated on some very realistic seeming uh, hypotheticals about what could happen and how that could get me in trouble, uh, commenting on Supreme Court opinions on abortion or guns or the argument this fall on affirmative action, all of those obviously things that are part of my job description, but which would immediately get me into hot water. So rather than play that kind of game or try to walk on eggshells, uh, I said this is untenable, and, and I resign. For good reason. You're, the examples you gave were, uh, in fact, as I read your piece in the Wall Street Journal, I was thinking, wait, did he actually say this, or is he offering possible things that he could say? That's how That's how realistic your examples were of what could get you in trouble at, at Georgetown. So I, whenever I speak to a professor in your position, and it is not often because most professors are sheep, uh, I, I ask them, did you get any support from any of your colleagues? Well, there's, there's Randy Barnett, who's the faculty director of the center. Um, there's, you know, of all of the about 150 faculty members at Georgetown, I think three and a half are not on the left. So, yeah, they supported me in, in, in various uh, respects. The three um, and a half. You mean the three yes. and a half? Yes. Right. 
Um, so, so there was, uh, there was, you know, David Cole, who's on the faculty, who's the ACLU's uh, legal director, wrote an op-ed saying, of course, what I did was terrible, but it shouldn't be a fireable offense because after all it was free speech. So that's, you know, that's something. Um, but that, well, that's it is something it. because the ACLU does not protect free speech anymore. So right. the ACLU has become another left-wing organization suppressing free speech. So, uh, I, Forgive me, and you don't have to answer anything I ask, obviously, uh, but I'm curious, how shall I phrase this? Are you disappointed or in, in you, you're not even shocked at the reactions of your colleagues? Um... I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, initially when the scandal first broke at the end of January, um, I, I saw some of the commentary on the faculty listserv. Um, and, but the thing is, that's not necessarily representative. You said most professors are sheep and most professors are sheep. They're not even at a place like Georgetown woke radicals. There's a critical mass of that. There's a critical mass of almost anything other than conservatives because it's a large faculty. Uh, but, um, you know, most, most faculty were, were silent. Um, that doesn't surprise me any more than the fact that, you know, a, a vocal radical minority were, you know, out for my head. Um, am I, am I sad? I'm, you know, I'm saddened by the whole situation, by the whole process. I really, you know, I left Cato after 15 years cause I thought I could accomplish something and I should, could have a different sort of impact and, uh, you know, have a new challenge and, 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 and teach students and which I enjoy. Um, and I'm saddened that that, uh, that that became impossible. Uh, but I'm not, once the scandal broke, I'm not necessarily surprised by, by anything that happened after that. Right. When I said most, uh, faculty, most professors are sheep, I, I chose my words very carefully. I didn't say most, most of them are woke. The, the uh, I, uh, what you described is exactly what I have perceived, the sheep-like behavior of the majority and the handful of the woke mob calling the shots at any, at any given school. What about students? Did any students, did the students generally join the mob or stay quiet or what? Well, you wouldn't have learned this from reading most media, but there was a, a quite significant, uh, Counter letter. There was the famous letter that was uh, signed by something like 18 or 20 different identity groups led by the Black Law Students Association and ultimately had something like a thousand signatures on it. Many of these people that, who were pressured to sign uh, because, you know, silence is violence, as, as they say. But there was a counter letter that was organized by an organization at Georgetown called the Conservative and Libertarian Students Association or CALSA. Um, both the students and alumni as well. Uh, uh, orchestrated, uh, 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 you know, pressure in my support, uh, and there certainly, you know, students did drop me lines uh, saying that they uh, hope that I survive this and they'd love to take a class from me, and uh, and how they they sympathize because they themselves cannot uh, feel like they cannot uh, speak out or speak their minds, uh, whether it's in class or, or social situations at the law school. What was your situation at Georgetown prior to your tweet? I had just been hired. Um, I signed my offer letter uh, 
uh, early mid-January. The hiring was announced January 21st to a lot of fanfare. Uh, the dean, I think, genuinely was happy to hire me. I, I would become now there would be four and a half uh, non-progressives, I guess, on faculty, uh, and uh, uh, there was a it was a university-wide announcement of, of my hiring. Uh, and that was January 21st. And five days later, there was a university-wide uh, condemnation of me uh, by the dean for my appalling tweet that suggested that uh, no black woman could ever serve on the Supreme Court in his mischaracterization. So uh, I'll ask you, uh, it's, it's both personal and not personal. I, I read the first hour of my show, a piece by Victor Davis Hanson called The Sovietization of America. That was my field of studies, Soviet Union. I was there a number of times, spent a lot of time in different communist countries. I think that is exactly what is happening. I don't think it is exaggerated. Uh, everything I remember about the Soviet Union, we are moving toward in America. Do you think that that is overstated? It's funny you mention uh... – Victor Hansen, I, I actually spent uh, part of a summer on his ranch in uh, Selma, California, 22 years ago between grad and law school. Wow. I, know, I know Victor very well. Um, um, going back to uh, when I was an honors fellow with ISI my senior year of, of college. Uh, but uh, so it, it's, it's correct and it's incorrect. Um, it's, I think it's incorrect in the sense of uh, the size and scope of government issues. You know, we talk a lot about socialism and, and all of that sort of thing. I don't think uh, uh, the government is trying to control the commanding heights of industry and, and things like that directly, nationalization, those sorts of things you see in, in Venezuela and, and, and whatnot. But there is a cultural Marxism, a cultural Sovietization, where uh, dissent from progressive orthodoxy is not tolerated. Uh, and certainly academia is the leading uh, institution where where that is felt, uh, but it's obviously entered corporate America, um, other uh, sort of uh, big institutions. Maybe a pushback starting. Uh, you know, you saw after, after Ron DeSantis went after Disney, uh, no corporations uh, uttered a peep uh, when the Supreme Court abortion decision was leaked. Other developments since, you know, Netflix said, if you're uncomfortable with our with our programming, then maybe you should go to find another job. So maybe, maybe there, maybe the tide is starting to turn in some corners. Uh, but certainly, uh, this you know, cancel culture is part of it, but it's not entirely it. Um, but the kind of uh, right. ideological intolerance is what's the problem. Yes. Well, listen. I, I hope to stay in touch with you. Ilya Shapiro's book is up at DennisPrager.com. Thank you, sir. Good luck to you. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.